Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, today I want to bring you some rational discourse that, that we intend to cover the Southeast like the dew covers Dixie. And I have a very special guest online with me today. Uh, his name is Rob Harris, and he's a first-year legislator in South Carolina. Rob, why don't you introduce yourself to my listening audience and tell them what district you represent? Yeah, hey, I'm Rob Harris, and uh, before I get started, I just want to thank Dr. Jackson for having me on, and uh, I know you're a big medical freedom advocate and just a strong Christian conservative yourself, and I truly, you know, you truly promote uh, more than just medicine. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to everybody. So again, Rob Harrison from Spartanburg. I'm in House District 36. I'm a state rep. Uh, I've been married um, 37 years next week, actually. Uh, I have 10 children. 10 children? Nine, Don't nine, you know where yeah. all those children come from? <laughs> yes, I do. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, I have nine grandchildren besides that. Um, I work, when I'm not in the state house, I work as an operator been doing that for almost 30 years um and uh i'm a i'm a precinct executive committeeman in the gop started that last round in 2021 um and uh so i'm also a member of the south carolina freedom caucus and that is a network of state freedom caucuses much uh fashioned after the one at the national level house freedom caucus and they're starting in about a dozen states <clears throat> and so i serve uh, alongside some other uh, staunch conservatives, so glad to do that. And mostly, not last but not least at all, uh, I'm a Christian. I have make no bones about that, and I proudly take my Christian conservative values with me to the state house every single time I'm there. I hear you, brother. I hear you. Well, you're my kind of guy, and you represent a lot of us conservatives at the grassroots level that we've we've prayed for years to have guys like yourself representing us in. In Columbia. Well, let me ask you the first question that I have on my list. Why in the world did you decide to run for office? I mean, I'm sure you were happy as a clam being a, a OR operating nurse. What in the world prompted you to run for office? Yeah, that is a good question because I'm really just a, a working man who, like an average citizen who decided to get into politics. I have not, I don't have a long history of being in politics. Um, it all happened after the 2020 election. I got real concerned about the results of that election, how it all uh, fell out and um, the direction that our country was going. Um, I'm terrified about what we're going to leave our children and grandchildren. And so um, I looked around. I, I just I noticed a lot of legislators were really not fighting for conservative values. Uh, they they on the campaign trail. They all say the right things, but uh, when they when they, when they're down there in the state house, they don't always vote the right way. So. You know, moved here many years ago, over 13 years ago, and I, I thought this was a red state. Uh, um, I've come to find out, though, for three years running, um, the conservative at the CPAC, you know, they, they put these ACs uh, scores out every uh, year for uh, they do that for legislators and for uh, the legislature in general. But for three years running, we've been 
considered the most liberal Republican-controlled state uh, in the nation. And, and that's sad. We're really turning purple, in fact, as far as the legislature goes. Not so much with the people, but it's the legislatures. That's my, that was another one of my concerns. We have a supermajority in both houses, and yet we don't get the policy that we should be getting out of a supermajority of Republicans. We have all the constitutional offices in every one of them, Republican, all, you know, all the constitutional elected offices, state uh, secretary, state governor, all those things. They're all Republicans. Um, and there's another thing that I that I found is missing. And this is something that, you know, maybe is not such a familiar concept. But, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, the rep- the, the uh, representatives there to represent the constituents values. And I am. But the other duty that a legislator has is to defend against unjust laws. It, it's it's called the, the concept of interposition. And what we are missing in politics is someone who's willing to not just vote the way everybody wants them to vote. Yes, we have to represent, but we have a duty when we're examining legislation to look at it from a standpoint of God's law, natural law, you know, the Constitution, South Carolina, and the U.S. Constitution. And, you know, even in our, even in our founding fathers, you know, they, in the Declaration of Independence, they, they, they cited a, a long train of abuses and usurpations. That's why they were going against the king. And even kings are not allowed to violate the law of nature, they say, and nature's God. There, there's some eternal truths that should not be violated. And then when you have a constitution, you, you have a duty, you swear an oath on a Bible to uphold the Constitution. And I, I, I'll tell you right now, I sit there and I watch people voting and they, they have give no heed to the Constitution. They vote things because everybody wants it or it sounds like a good idea. And they, they are sometimes like reasonable ideas, but the problem is they violate the Constitution somewhere. So again, I don't get off on a rabbit trail, but that's a a big thing that's missing from legislatures. You know, they, they're politicians. They feel to be statesmen. And we have a duty to defend our, our constituents against unjust laws. So that is another reason why, uh, why I ran. Uh, you're singing my song there, friend. You're singing my song. Well, and that's a rabbit trail worth running down. For a long, yeah, long we time. Yeah, do a whole podcast oh, on, yeah. on that. I'm getting ready to say, why don't we just abandon all the rest of my questions and let's just spend We should talk about the doctrine of interposition here for, for the whole podcast. All right, exactly. we'll, we'll, stick, we'll stick with my questions. So what issues drive you, Rob Harris? What, what did you run on? Well, again, you know, I started out saying a lot of politicians on the campaign trail – they certainly talk like, oh, I'm conservative. I'm pro- they always say pro-life. You know, I love babies, uh, Second Amendment, low taxes. But when they get down there, they don't vote. They vote the way leadership wants them to vote. And I actually feel a duty. I do fight for – I want to fight for uh, the values that I believe in. And and some of those things that I have I have promoted is – my first bill was the 3549, H3549. It's a prenatal equal protection act. You know, abortion is still at 20, 22 weeks here in this state, and that was the first bill I ever filed. I, I mean what I say. That That is a – that is a con- that will – my bill would pass the constitutional test that is being uh, struggled with in our Supreme Court of our state. Um, my bill would, would not be uh, subject to that. It's a clean bill. It upholds the 14th Amendment, and it protects all life from conception, no exceptions. 
and uh, I mean it. I said that on the campaign trail, and, and I meant it, and that's the bill I filed. And uh, I got a lot of flack for it, but it's okay. Um, I, I fought to, to clean up. You know, we had a constitutional uh, carry bill last couple of years. I think it's the third year running. This one's not as clean this time as the last year. Uh, I, along with some of the Freedom Caucus members, we had uh, tried to amend it on the House floor to get rid of the little, the mini, like, kind of ATF gun grab part. It was Section 16. And, uh, you know, we're all for constitutional carry, and we fought for that, and we, and we got blown up for that, too. But uh, we... That's important to me. The Second Amendment is very important, and I want a clean constitutional carry bill. Now, it's stuck in the Senate right now, and it still hasn't passed out of that. Um, I've, I also uh, filed a Bill 3932. It's a Government Transparency Act. That would have been really handy to have during the budget talks. We had a, a big uh, budget battle this year, and my bill uh, – would require all these agencies to list online all the their their budgets, what they are asking for in new revenue, all that sort of thing. Uh, uh, legislators would have to also list what they want and like all the earmarks. They'd have to say uh, what they want, how much it is, where it's going, who the organization is going to, and all that sort of thing. Uh, that would have helped a lot. I do believe in lower taxes and, and, and transparency with the fiscal end of things, but. Um, and my bill sits in committee because they don't want that to go anywhere. Um, so our legislators then, claim they want transparency, but when it comes to voting for a bill that would actually make that happen, they don't want to vote for right. it. Right. And uh, again, I, uh, when I was campaigning, I said we need to close the primaries. I, I, I submitted a bill to close the primaries, and I actually tried to amend a bill that they were dealing with a couple months ago 4066. When that came through, I tried to attach my closed primary bill uh, to that, and the speaker pro tem ruled it non-germane. Which, you know, in retrospect, it, it was germane, of course, uh, and I should have challenged the ruling of the chair, but I guess it was a newbie mistake. But nonetheless, I mean, that, I said on the campaign trail that I want to close the primaries, and I did, and I actually did something about it on the House floor. Uh, another big thing that one of the reasons I ran is on election integrity. Um, I, I, I submitted three different bills uh, dealing with different things like hand counting audits, voter access and transparency and, and cleaning up the voter rolls, all things that I've been doing at a grassroots level before I ever ran. And uh, I actually there again, another bill uh, came up uh, Senator Campson, Sen and Kimbrell. They wanted to start it's S406. They wanted to start actually counting the early voting period votes starting at 7 a.m. on voting day, not waiting until the end of the day. They want to start transmitting the results to the SEC in the beginning of the day, and that makes me very nervous. So I applied about 11 or 12 amendments to that bill, and it was right at the end of session, and they're all – I wasn't really trying to undo the bill necessarily, but if we're going to start doing things like that, start getting early uh, early numbers in, even if they're unofficial, you know how information is leaked sometimes. Uh, they want those numbers early. So if we're going to do that, I have just a, a lot of really sensible amendments to put on that to add transparency and accountability to the process. I won't get into all the different ways, but uh, and so much so that when it came time for my bill – the, the chairman of that subcommittee 
they all had a big, they went up behind the speaker's desk, had a big powwow for like five minutes. They came back and they said, uh, we're going to adjourn debate until January 9th when we come back. So something in that scares them. Mm-hmm. Which, that's fine with me. But uh, so if I hadn't acted, that bill probably would have went right through the House, went to the Senate, and be done. Yeah. Uh, thank so you. I'm thank you, of, Rob Harris. I'm kind of proud of that. Thank and you. again, I'm not trying, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I'm not trying to undo the bill necessarily, but we are going to have to apply more transparency and accountability to this election process somehow. And if they're going to have that, they're going to have to agree to these other things. So we'll see what happens in January. But so those are the things I ran on. Besides that, just real quickly, run down a list. Along with my Freedom Caucus allies, we're all about judicial reform, uh, parental bill of rights, school choice. Um, even uh, Josiah Magnuson, who you mentioned, uh, filed a S- uh, South Carolina Sovereignty Act and uh, getting us out of the World Health Organization. Um, some of my other colleagues have uh, written bills for uh, using gold and silver as legal tender, um, getting rid of, you know, not recognizing the central bank digital currency, all things that are like very timely. Um, no, you know, we want to uh, not have drag queen shows for minors. We don't want to be having them uh, being, uh, you know, having transgender surgeries and therapies for minors. So we have a bunch of good bills. That's what I ran on. And that's what we're actually trying to do. But of course, those bills largely sit in committee because the ruling establishment you know, doesn't want to give want to give me hearing. Uh, your your voice disappears on me sometimes, so stay close to your mic. Okay. All right. Now, what what has it been like your first session being being a representative? I know that's new to you, and a lot of folks wonder what's it like being a legislator. Yeah. Um, well, what my first experience down there was to actually, as a Republican, uh, I, I got kicked out of caucus, <laughs> the Republican caucus. So uh, it, it turns out that because well, we ended up being the third largest freshman class ever in South Carolina. Uh, and so in the process of that, a lot of incumbents lost their seats. I think their establishment was getting a little bit nervous. I, I uh, removed a 23-year incumbent, head of the education committee. Another colleague of mine took out the Ways and Means Committee chairman, almost 20 years on that. It's a powerful committee. Um, and so I think the establishment got a little bit nervous about the tide that was seeming to change, and they tried to clamp down some rules saying you can't uh, you can't um, campaign against anybody else who's in the Republican caucus, and that's just the caucus just means for those who don't know, it just it's the legislators that are Republicans. They all meet together, kind of strategize, you know, how are we going to do this or that, what bills are coming up, and and so we we got kicked out of that little meeting <laughs> and 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 that whole club basically. And so, uh, so 16 members of the Freedom Caucus would not sign this loyalty pledge that they promised not to campaign against uh, other in, uh, members. And they didn't really define what that was, like taking pictures of the voting board versus public information. They mentioned that. They mentioned a bunch of other things. They wouldn't be specific. And so we said we're not signing nothing like that. We have our duty to our constituents to say what's going on if we need to down there state house. And they're like, nope. And so we, they kicked us out. <laughs> so um, that was, I don't really know what it's like to be in a Republican caucus, I guess, but it doesn't matter. It's freeing. We, we say what we need to say. We can get the truth out. We don't have to worry about stepping on anybody's toes. We can just be forthright with everybody. And, and so I, I, 
I'm, I'm free to do that. I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, another thing that has happened this session, uh, just this first half, is uh, that I've been getting, uh, because of the stands that we've been taking, uh, mine on abortion, uh, Second Amendment, um, the, uh, the budget, we've been getting text messages from the established, I say it's the establishment, sending these, get hiring outside groups, these dark running groups, to send text blasts to my constituents, making stuff up, you know, uh, lying about the way I'm voting, saying I'm not for jobs, like just because I vote against the budget, or that I'm not for uh, the Second Amendment, just because I tried to fix that uh, constitutional carry bill, like I mentioned before. So they just twist their words around, but they they send them out to our constituents, actually. And so we've been getting uh, tons of that. We get mailers to the same effect. Um, the uh, the South Carolina Freedom Caucus through the America First legal firm, uh, they've actually filed a lawsuit against the Ethics Committee because uh, caucuses like the Freedom Caucus cannot do the same things as the established caucus, like the Democratic caucus or the Republican caucus. They can't uh, – we can't have office space. We can't raise money. We can't have a staff. We can't do the same things that they're allowed to do and, and spend money on helping their, their candidates. We can't do that, and they can, and that's not fair. It's freedom of speech. So uh, we actually have a lawsuit that's pending. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping – and I have every reason to think it's going to go our way, but uh, – they are, again, just to wrap all that up. This this um, this session has been kind of kind of like trial by fire. Like this is unprecedented what we've been through, at, because we're standing up for what's right, and it is getting the fire. the The establishment is getting very fired up about this. They are fighting back uh, hard. They have spent so far just the first six months of this year. They have spent over three hundred thousand dollars against. Freedom Caucus members, myself included, um, just and it's not even campaign season. It feels like I'm running campaigns. You get these mailers, you get these text messages. It's not even campaign season. They're they're really putting their money where their mouth is. They they want us gone. I'm telling you. And uh, so it's been it's been a real it's been a fight. It's been a throwdown the whole six months I've been in. So it's been very busy and and very. Uh, it takes a lot of time to to fight against things and to do your homework and push back against stuff and, and shine the light on things. Just going down there. I, I look around, I see my other, you know, the other colleagues around, they're just, you know, voting with the establishment and it's easy to just, you know, how are we doing? Voting green. Okay. Voting green again on this. But when you're actually doing your homework and trying to push back and trying to amend really bad bills, it's a lot of work. It's a lot more work. So it's more work than I thought. Isn't it shocking to realize that your opposition is not Democrats? It's establishment yeah. Republicans? Yes, and yeah, that, that is really uh, an eye-opening experience. I mean, I feel like we have our very own swamp right here in South Carolina, believe me. <laughs> Never mind the feds. Huh. We have enough trouble right here in South Carolina to fight against it. We can, we can fix our own state. We don't need their help. We have, a, we have enough of our own battle here just to fix it. Yeah. What do you think was your greatest challenge this whole first session? Um, well, I guess I would really have to say, you know, like you're saying, having realized that the Republicans are the obstacle to good policy here, you know, battling with them all the time, having to just fighting for what the Republican Party platform says and having them push back against that. It, it's it's 
unbelievable. Um, there was a study in April done of Republican state legislatures across the country, and they graded them. We think even if they only have a, a small minority of Republicans, one of these blue states or something, they they rated all the states that have Republicans, and they rated them on how conservative those Republicans were voting. And we came in, South Carolina came in 49th, 49, only in front of Hawaii as far as the policy that we're pushing through. You know, and we can do it because we have a supermajority. So it's it's actually changing the, the landscape of South Carolina. But it's it's because Republicans are pushing woke liberal policies through the state legislature. It, it's really egregious. It makes me it like makes me ill and nauseous. Oh yeah, I feel like I know what it's like to live in like a Democrat-controlled legislature. I, that's what it feels like because, like in the budget talks, we were we were trying to we put amendment after amendment try to carve out the diversity, equity, and inclusion training that the colleges in this state they self-reported that they spent like it was like two million dollars at Clemson, uh, I think um, not quite that much, a million and a half or so for USC. They reported that they spend that much on DEI. So we're like, fine, just let's just make this proviso where they can't spend any of the money that we're giving them on that. Oh, no, they would have nothing to do with it. The, the Republican legislature, the Republican uh, you know, side just like voted all our amendments down. They just – they let it all go through. It's just – it's all this woke stuff. Um, everybody must know by now, maybe you don't, the VW Scout deal that went down. They, they, the Republicans, again, in 12 days, they managed to ram that through. It's spending $1.3 billion with a B dollars of our tax money to entice DW uh, Scout to come build a place down near Columbia. They're woke. They just they have a, a plant in Chattanooga. They just had this big transgender parade, drag show parade thing for their employees. Um, they, they This deal involves $400 million in cold, hard cash for them to use for indiscriminate things that whatever they need, you know, but it's cash, like 400 million in cash. Uh, it's all at the taxpayer's expense. And I, I just, it's, it's egregious. I, I just feel like I'm in a Democrat controlled legislature. That's what it feels like. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. What do you think the future holds Rob Harris? Well, you know, I'm going to keep fighting. We have another session to go, another half session, if you will, next January to May. I'm not backing down one inch. Um, we're going to continue fighting again. I want to be, I want to be a statesman, not a politician. Uh, we're, we continue to bring floor amendments uh, through the Freedom Caucus. We're going to continue to fight those bad bills. But uh, I want to encourage everybody because when we do that, we have enough vote. We have enough Freedom Caucus people to get roll call votes, and we can get these legislators voting badly against our good amendments and they can take that information and and they can use it in their own districts and find people like me who want to run and join us so i'm very much encouraged uh it's getting a lot of attention uh candidates are coming to us saying they want to they want to they want to get involved all over the state i mean i've been in greenville charleston dorchester darlington all over the state they're asking for us to come speak because it's really gotten the attention of people they feel like someone's finally fighting for them for real and, and we really are so uh I, i'm encouraged about uh you know what the future holds and i'm, I'm not going anywhere i'm going to fight with, with all i can so um just looking forward to uh 
to what's going to happen. Uh, I, you know, we're going to have a little bit of downtime, just have the rest of this year to speak with people and go visit uh, good folks all around. But uh, it's going to be on next spring, of course, as you know. So, Well, my guest today is, is Representative Rob Harris from District 36 in the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, he's a faithful brother in the Lord. He's a good, strong fiscal and uh, moral conservative. We're thankful for his service. I encourage my listeners to pray for him and the Freedom Caucus in South Carolina. Rob, thank you for being my guest today, and I'm certain that my listeners have been uh, enlightened and have been delighted to hear everything that you've had to share with us today. I appreciate that. And if I may, just I want to let everybody know how to get a hold of me. It's harrisforsc.com. You can go there and sign up for my emails that I send out. Uh, and you can donate if you feel so uh, moved. I'm on Facebook at Harris for SC22, uh, Twitter, Telegram, Getter, and Substack at Harris for SC. So check out one of those uh, those media and uh, you know connect with me. Um, I'll, I'll shoot I shoot straight with everybody. So uh, it's good information. I'd encourage someone to uh, you know, sign up there. Thank you, Rob. It's been a delight to have you on my show. All right. Thank you, Doctor. And that's a wrap for this episode of More Than Medicine with my husband, Dr. Jackson. This is Carlotta thanking all of you for listening to our podcast. We also have Devotions with Dr. Papa that drops every Wednesday. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, follow and share the podcast, thereby encouraging us and influencing others to listen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.